Welcome back to Aesthetically Displeasing, where we talk about all things spooky, stupid, and displeasing. I'm Melanie. And I'm Nicole. Happy New Year! Yay! We didn't talk about oh, crap. We didn't the talk holidays about, or anything. <laughs> we didn't talk how about your, New Year last time. Well, how was your baby's first Christmas? It was good. We had lots of traveling with younger siblings. I always want to be a part of their Christmas because they're so excited. Yeah. But it's just... <laughs> We like need a whole day to recover because it's just so much. And then New Year, it was <laughs> my son decided to wake up at midnight, not at midnight, but like at like 11. And so I brought him down and our friend downstairs and our friends with their kid was here and they're like four months apart, but they're both crawling. So they're like perfect age. And they were cracking up with each other. Uh, who was over? Um. Barker and Irene and Liam. Liam. Yeah. And so like they were like smacking each other, but it's just because they were so excited. (laughs) That's so sweet. And they were trying to like hold hands and hug. (gasps) No way. That is adorable. Mm -hmm. That's so sweet. Because last time I saw Barker was, um, I was, we were talking, he was saying like how excited he was that like you guys all had kids Mm -hmm. at the same time. Say like all had friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be so much more fun. We have two more uh kids in our friend group that are three months old so i can't wait until they're like crawling so that they can all like we can just put them in a playpen oh my god it's gonna be like the rugrats like all the friends yeah all the adults come over and you put the babies in the playpen have twins oh that would have been cool so i've been a lot what's funny is like when cody and i were talking about having our baby or like starting to have a Mm -hmm. family we were so worried, like, because none of our friends have kids. Yeah. So we were like, no one's going to want to hang out with us because we have kids. And yeah. <laughs> now everyone has kids within a year. Like, I know. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. I'm just, like, so excited for them to all get together. And I know. Hang they're out. so sweet. And they just get to have, like, built-in friends for life. Yeah. That's so fun. And if it all fails, like, Xander's got his two-year-old uncle. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> true that's so much i'm so happy that i don't have children oh so nice so nice because i get to hang out with my niece and nephew and then give them back and hang out with your baby yeah give him back yeah how was your christmas it was good we hung out with my family on the 23rd and the 24th and then um christmas eve my sister had to go to her in-laws and so Logan and I went to his parents and we do we ooh we went well because Logan's birthday is December 22nd so his parents took him out for his birthday dinner and then we went and drove around and looked at all the Christmas lights in Champagne. my god there's some crazy ones there's one that had like a whole like pixelated tv and had like music videos synchronized with the music and then the lights were synchronized with the music in the videos it was crazy there's I, some people with a lot of expendable money i forgot champagne as a town because i thought you said we went to look at christmas lights with champagne heck yeah we just like, drinking a bunch of champagne i'm coming to that christmas that'd be fun year. no and we drove around looked at all the expensive christmas lights and then christmas day um opened up our presents and um, had Christmas lunch with uh, his grandma and their, his parents, uh, childless neighbors. <laughs> they always come over for Christmas dinner because they don't have their own kids. So we hung out with them. And then they are um, like the families that go to see movies on Christmas. So we went to see the menu. What is that? Oh my God. It was super, super good. It is like a horror thriller movie Ooh, i love horror thriller. yes it's got um anya taylor joy who's from like split and stuff oh, okay like from split and the witch and stuff okay. i love her um and then ralph fiends fiends what's his name he was uh voldemort <laughs> nice it's voldemort yeah and oh my god that was really good that we walked out like all silent yeah like okay we have to like put our mindset back to like normal life because it was very like it was like a psychological thriller and we're like just trying to guess what was going on the whole time it was really really good i really liked it 
did we do? I've just been hanging out. I haven't worked. Oh my God. I've like barely worked the month of December because we had like some days with like teacher in services and stuff. So I was working some like four day weeks and then it got cold. So last time I came to record, I had that really bad cough, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't really feeling sick. Like I kind of was feeling achy, but like I wasn't really feeling sick. And then all of a sudden I spiked a fever. And so then I missed work for two days, forced myself. Oh, I had a double ear infection and bronchitis. (laughs) awful double ear infection and bronchitis and so then I forced myself to go to work that Wednesday because it was about to be Christmas break and Mm -hmm. I needed to get like some last minute assessments and stuff in right so I went to work didn't feel good couldn't hear like anything couldn't stop coughing and then um so I like worked that entire day then the next day is Logan's birthday and I make this carrot cake with cream cheese icing but I make it the night before and then I leave it in the fridge for 24 hours and I don't know what about, like, leaving it in the fridge, like, it gets, like, really, like, moist and, like, the cream cheese, like, kind of gets into the cake. Mm. So freaking good. So I was, like, rushing around trying to do that. But then it was, like, negative 30, so everyone was panic buying so I couldn't find, like, eggs or cream cheese or, like, vanilla extract. That sucks. So I had to go to, like, three different stores for him, and then I made the cake, and then I was exhausted, went to bed, like, at 9 Woke up the morning of his birthday, mm-hmm. and we were supposed to get a lot of snow and ice in the Quad Cities. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting at the table with my mom. We were drinking our coffee, and I was like, maybe I'll have a snow day. I was, like, really trying to push off doing my makeup. So I took a shower, and then I was staying there, and I was, like, slow motion getting my makeup <laughs> bags out. Because I was like, if I put on my makeup and then it's a snow day, I can't go back to sleep. Yeah. So I was just really trying to put off doing my makeup. And then all of a sudden I got an email and a phone call at the same time. And I was like, snow day! (laughs) And the kids don't have Chromebooks at their houses. So Mm -hmm. we can't do a digital day. It was a true snow day. I have not had a true snow day in like three or four years. Yeah, because before. Yeah, because we were doing um, digital days. So I got to go. It was so nice. I went up and it was Logan's birthday. So I made him breakfast. And then he had to go to work. And so I, like, waved him out the door, and I was like, have a great day. I went and laid back down. I said, I'd do that, that every day. So nice. I said, I will, like, if I could be a stay-at-home wife. Oh, my gosh. I would love that. I would wake up. Like, have you seen Don't Worry, Darling? No. So it's kind of like a, like, suburbia um, kind of movie. And so, like, all the wives go and, like, make their husbands breakfast, and then they all stand on the lawn in their cul-de-sac and, like, wave the husbands <laughs> goodbye. But, like... I would do that. I would do that every day. I'd wake up early, make breakfast, and then, like, go, go take a nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, do laundry and hang out and stuff. Yeah. That'd be lovely. I would do that. I'd probably get bored of it in, like, three weeks, but, because I don't have children. Well, so, Cody and I have talked because it was really hard for me to go to, back to work. Yeah. After my maternity leave. And he was like, well, my plan is, because he's in HR, like, my plan is to make enough money so that you can stay home with our next kid. Aww. And while I would love to do that, I also love my job and I don't think I could like be away from it and like risk not being able to get a position that I have again. And then on top of that, like, what am I going to do when they go to school? Just sit around? I like, okay, Logan's going to call bullshit on this, but I, I do like cleaning and like I doing do the dishes and doing the laundry and stuff like I love doing laundry and like folding it and putting it away like putting it away I do too but I have to be in like that like hyper ADHD mode I didn't know Deacon was in here <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> where like himself. I have to be like yes. completely motivated if I'm not I'll just like sit there oh yeah that's what I've been doing all break <laughs> yeah it's just sitting there that's why I well, I want to be a stay-at-home mom Mm-hmm. But I want to be a para half day because my dream job is to be a para because you get to go hang out with kids and like teach them, but you don't have to go to meetings or do paperwork or anything like that. So Sounds nice. I want to be a para <clears throat> from like 12 to 3 or 12 to 4 so I can get my kids ready to like for school, put something in the crock pot, clean up, go work from like 12 to 3 and then pick up my kids from school and help them with their homework and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds perfect that sounds nice i can't wait till we start making money on this podcast yeah that'll be great then i can really be a stay-at-home cat mom uh 
Anyways. All right. Are you ready <laughs> yeah. for my story? I'm going to have to take out so much of that banter. <laughs> That's okay. <clears throat> Do you know what I'm doing at all? No. Did you see it? I always see the title of yours since we share a Google Drive. Mm. So I see like, you edited today, Kellyanne Bates. But I never read it. Good. All right. When we think of serial killers, we usually think of the notorious and gruesome murderers that are popular in pop culture and on Netflix and Hulu, like Bundy, Dahmer, and the Zodiac Killer. But more often than not, the reality is stranger than fiction. In movies and TV shows, they're really easy to spot. But how often do we ask ourselves if the serial killers could be the ones that we didn't expect? Children are supposed to be innocent, pure, fun, and playful. So today, I'm going to tell you about some of the youngest killers. Oh. Mm -hmm. The killers that make experts question what they thought they knew about psychopathy. You know that they didn't know anything about serial killers until Bundy talked to... Was it Bundy or was it... Um... It was a ton of them. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like Mine Hunters. Yes. That's based on like, yeah. the real thing. But like, yeah, they had no clue. Mm-hmm. And that's why, they sh- that's why they shouldn't have killed Bundy. Uh, yeah. I'm going to tell you about like six kids. But I'm not going to tell you how old they are until I tell you their story. All right. Okay. <clears throat> so, our first killer is Alyssa Bustamante. Alyssa Bustamante seemed like a regular teenage girl. Quotes from friends were, she was just always so sweet and everybody loved her. She was just amazing. Between 2002 and 2009, she was raised by her grandparents um, because her mom had a history of drug and alcohol abuse, which um, put her in jail. And then her father was already serving jail time for assault. So her grandparents took custody of her and her three younger siblings. Um, And at that time, they lived in California, but the grandparents wanted them to have a new start. So they moved to a rural ranch property in St. Martins, Missouri, just west of Jefferson City, which um, I didn't know that Jefferson City was the capital of Missouri. (laughs) I don't know a lot of capitals. I do not either. So despite having a rough start to her life, she was an A and B student in high school. Had a lot of friends. Well, I know she's at least at least high school age. Um, so she seemed like a normal kid. Her grandparents really prided themselves on giving her a stable home life. Friends said that she wrote poems and joked around. Um, she also attended the Church of um, Latter Day Saints. Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, mm-hmm. and um, she was a part of youth groups, but in 2007, she tried to kill herself, and after spending 10 days at a psychiatric hospital, she got started on antidepressants, um, and despite her being on medication, she started to self-harm, and friends said that she often showed them the scars on her wrists. Oh. Um, and so in her personal life, things started to go downhill, but friend, like, but friends didn't think that she was acting like completely abnormal. Like they knew that like she had this setback, but she still was like acting her usual self. Um, but online she had a completely different personality. Mm Um, her Twitter feed talked about how she hated authority. One of her posts said, bad decisions make great stories. I remember that's, she's in high school. That's true, though. I know. Well, <laughs> now when you're in high school and you're this young. Um, on YouTube and MySpace, she listed her hobbies as killing people and cutting. And she had a... <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's wool. And she had a YouTube video where she tried to get two of her brothers to touch an electric fence. I don't think that they did, though. That's good. <clears throat> hey, when I was younger, I would have totally tried to get Jacob to touch an electric fence. I probably would have done the same thing to my little brother. 
So four houses down from the Bustamante family, there lived a nine-year-old girl named Elizabeth Olton. She came over a lot to play with Alyssa and her siblings. Um, and one night, Elizabeth Olton begged her mom to go over to Alyssa's house to play. This was between 4 and 5 p.m. and her mom said that she had to come home soon for dinner. And um, by 6 o'clock, when she wanted her to come home, she started looking for her and could not find her. Um, The day after she disappeared, uh, FBI agents questioned Alyssa and seized her diary because they were asking around and people knew that Alyssa was the last person that she had played with. Authorities then found a shallow hole behind Alyssa's house that seemed to be in the shape of a grave. And Alyssa told the FBI that she just liked to dig holes. What? <laughs> this was also. I'm a, sorry, ma'am. That wasn't a hobby listed on your mind. I know. Face. This is also a hand dug hole. Not a shovel dug? No. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like she dug this with her hands and she just told the FBI. That would take a lot of I know. She told the FBI, I like to dig holes. Was she a dog? I know. Later in the investigation, authorities found another shallow grave covered with leaves behind the Bustamante house, and Elizabeth's body was inside. Prosecutors charged Alyssa with first-degree murder and arrested her. Um, and How old was the little girl? She was nine. Um... So remember they had seized her diary because it was well known that she wrote in this diary like every day. Um, Alyssa tried to cover up an entry by like scribbling out with blue ink, Mm -hmm. but investigators were still able to see the original writing underneath. Um, And she chronicled on this page the euphoria that she felt after killing Elizabeth Olton. This is a direct quote from her diary. I just fucking killed someone. I strangled them and slit their throat and stabbed them. Now they're dead. I don't know how to feel ATM. It was amazing. Spelled A-H-M-A-Z-I-N-G. Amazing. Oh my goodness. As soon as you get over the, oh my God, I can't do this feeling. It's pretty enjoyable. I'm kind of nervous and shaky though now. Okay, I gotta go to church now. LOL. Oh my goodness. Alyssa's defense attorneys um, tried to point out her troubled childhood as a means to um, give her some leniency in her sentence, but a judge ruled that Alyssa Bustamante would be tried as an adult. As she should. Yep. Um, A few weeks before her 2012 trial for first degree murder, um... So she was in jail for about two years, and then a few weeks before she was supposed to be tried for first-degree murder, she accepted a plea deal to a lesser charge of second-degree murder in order to avoid the death penalty. Um, so as part of this plea deal, since it's only second-degree murder, um, she would be able to get out in about 22 years on parole, so that would be uh, 20, 40, or 30 years. So that would be about 2042. That doesn't even sound like a real year. <laughs> I know. It's all right. But I mean, she was able to somehow take a plea deal. Probably I don't know. But because, yeah, she was. Well, would you like to guess how old she is? So she's still in jail. Would you like to guess how old she was when she committed the murder? 15. Yeah. Wow. She's 15. Yep. So that is Alyssa Bustamante. Wait, okay. You said she was a serial killer, right? She's not a serial killer, no. Oh, okay. These are just okay. some of the youngest killers. Okay. Yes. You said multiple graves, so I was a little worried. No, so she might have been planning to kill someone else. Because she apparently liked it. it. She said that it felt amazing. I just can't imagine how you can do that. I know. Okay, so next we have James Fairweather. James and his family lived in Colchester, Essex in England. Um, it said that he had a loving family and a normal home life. Um, there was one of his report cards when he was a kid described him to be well-behaved and sensitive to the needs of others. But in high school, his behavior took a turn for the worse. He said that he 
started bullying others out of fear that he was going to be bullied. Hmm. So I don't know if that was an excuse or if that was like an actual fear. Um, His classmates said that he would get into trouble often um, and he would often take the blame for others' bad behavior. That's weird. Yeah. He like, like he's like punished. a masochist. Yeah. Um, a teacher once reported him for going through her bag to try to rip up a report, um, like a report on his bad behavior. Um, so like but a write up blame for it. That's I weird. I guess so. Um, it is reported that some people would bully him because he had big ears and they would call him Dumbo. But that's like the only report of bullying against him is that they would make fun of his ears. Um, Classmates recalled him saying that his career aspirations were to be a murderer. Yep. Like in the yearbook, that's what it said underneath. Yeah, probably. Um, It said that uh, around this time, he'd also lost his grandma, who he was really close with and is believed to have um, added to his behavior and his anger. Mm -hmm. Um, He did get arrested for having for um, a knife point robbery at a store. Oh, my goodness. But he was just sentenced to youth supervision. What is that? I don't know. Is that like parole for children? I'm assuming. This is also in England. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming just like he had like a parole officer. Um, so actually a few days after he robbed a store at Knife Point mm-hmm. on March 29th, 2014, he snuck out of his parents' home wearing gloves armed with a knife looking for someone to kill. He then came across James Atfield, who was 33, who had been sleeping in a field after a long night of drinking. According to court documents, James stabbed him in the stomach about five or six times and then stabbed him in the head and face. That's really close and personal. Yes. Then he thought that he heard someone coming, so he ran away and... um snuck back into his house at 2.30 in the morning. And Atfield wasn't found for hours and arrived um, in the emergency room at 5.45 a.m. and he was pronounced dead at 6.31 a.m. The autopsy report showed 102 stab wounds. (gasps) Most of them up by his face and head. Oh, my goodness. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was March 29th. On June 17th, he snuck up behind Nahid Almenia, who is 31, who is walking to college at 10.30 in the morning, and he stabbed her in the back with a knife. Oh, my goodness. He spun her around, knocked off her sunglasses, and then stabbed her in each of her eyes. (gasps) She then fell to the ground, um, and then which resulted in her fracturing her skull. He then stabbed her nine more times, one of the stab wounds cracking her rib. Wow. Yeah. Um, Almenia was Muslim and she was dressed in traditional clothing. So at the time um, the community thought that it was a hate crime. Yeah. And so this caused a lot of fear and panic within the Muslim community. Right. So that was on June 17th, 2014. On May 16th, 2015, a woman called the police because she saw a suspicious person hiding in a bush around the area of um, Almania's attack. When the police searched for the person later identified as Fairweather, he was wearing gloves and had a knife in his pocket. Police at that time didn't realize that he was the murderer that they'd been looking for for over a year, but they did arrest him for the knife that he had. So that's good. Okay. So I I don't know if it was like a 15-inch blade. (laughs) I like England's um, laws. Yes. I know. So he was able to get arrested for that. Um... He then, once he was in custody, just told the police that he was the one who um, committed the two stabbings. He went on to describe in detail what he would, what he had done. 
Um, he told the police about how he came across Atfield sleeping and that voices told him to kill him. He then explained how he tried to stab him on the side of the head, but missed and stabbed him in the eye. And he said that when he stabbed him, he screamed loudly, the sort of scream that goes right through you. He also said, when I was doing that, my voices were laughing and laughing louder and louder. Is he schizophrenic? It never says that he. Usually, if you're schizophrenic, you don't know. Or like it was he, an you excuse. Can't, you can't, like, distinguish. Yes. Um. He also told police that he had always wanted to rape the girls and boys that made fun of him at school, but still the For only... For calling him dumb, Yeah, but, like, that's the only report of him being bullied. Um, a knife and latex gloves were found inside of his school blazer, leading to speculation that he wanted to kill a classmate and was going yeah. to. Um, he also told police that he wanted to become a serial killer. Well, he already was, wasn't he? Three people in three different instances. I don't know. I don't know what categorizes. No, that's, that is it. Well, he only killed two people. Oh. Mm-hmm. He wa- like he was in the bushes with a knife and gloves ready to kill a gotcha. third person when he got arrested. But like as soon as he got arrested, he was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Um, he also told uh, police that he shouldn't be trusted around young children. Yeah. yeah. So he killed two people and then was just found in a bush with a knife. And then as soon as he was taken into custody, he just told them everything. That's weird. Yeah. Um... So he was obviously arrested and charged with both murders. He entered a plea of not criminally responsible mm. um, in England uh, due to the fact that he believed that the devil had possessed him and told him to kill. But the courts rejected this claim. Um, he then changed his plea to manslaughter for both charges and his defense was not fully able to blame um what he did on the voices in his head. He did get psychological evaluation and all he was diagnosed with was autism. Yeah, they said that his claims of hearing voices were not substantiated. Wow. So he was faking. It took the jury eight hours and 33 minutes to find him guilty on both counts of murder and he received a minimum of 27 years before the possibility of parole in 2015. I'm shocked it took them that long. I know. Hmm. Want to guess how old he was? 14. 15. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, that case reminds me, like, the... the. Hold on, Google. Okay, have you ever seen Primal Fear? I don't think so. It's got... The guy from Runaway Bride in it? Mm-mm. Okay. I don't know if you... The been... guy from Runaway <laughs> Bride. I grew up on Runaway Bride. It's a really good movie. You should watch it, and then you should... Oh, yes. That's the one where he, like, pretends to have multiple personality yes. disorder. Yeah. My dad showed me it, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's totally innocent. Like, he really mm-hmm. has split personality, and then, like, right at the end, he, yes. like... Yes. He, like, actually tricked his lawyer. Yes. I don't know if I've actually seen that all the way through, but I know I've seen the end, which is bad. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, next we have Michael Hernandez. Um, And he was a little bit younger, so there's not a whole lot of information about his childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, So, on February 3rd, 2004, Michael Hernandez lured Jamie Gow into the boys' bathroom. Lured? Lured. Sorry. (laughs) Lured Jamie Gow into the boys' bathroom of their school. They went into the large stall where Michael later said um, that he needed a lot of room. So took him into the bigger one. Michael told Jamie that he had something to show him. He had Jamie turn around while he put on his gloves. I know. Michael then covered Jamie's mouth and slit his throat. <gasps> yep. I was laughing because I was thinking of the, the vine. A knife. <laughs> I do love that vine. What do you have? A, A knife. knife. No. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Michael was later asked 
if Jamie had tried to fight back and Michael said yes and that Jamie had begged him not to kill him. Oh. Michael lied and said that he wouldn't kill him if he had if he cooperated. Um, so like when he slit his throat, like it wasn't very deep. Um, so after that, then he stabbed Jamie in the neck, aiming for his jugular vein. Michael then attempted to flush his gloves down the toilet, put the broken four inch knife in his pocket and, uh, walked out of the bathroom and went back to class. Oh my goodness. It didn't take very long for word to spread around the middle school. There's another hint. Middle school. Uh, that a body was found in the boy's bathroom. And then a teacher noticed blood on Michael's shirt and alerted police. When the police arrived, they found the latex gloves and a jacket that had some blood on it. Um, and Michael was then taken into custody after the teacher said that he had blood on him. Mm-hmm. During the interrogation, it said that Michael was more than happy to confess. He told the police that he'd actually planned to kill his friend, Andre Martin, and then kill Jamie after. Um, But there were two different days that he had tried to kill the boys. On the first day, he was able to lure lure both Andre and Jamie into the bathroom, but the bell rang... And so they Stayed went to bell. class. Yep. Um, but Michael asked them if they would do it tomorrow. He's like, I have to, like, you need to come into the bathroom so I can show you something tomorrow. And they said yes. But Andre was suspicious and didn't go to school the next day. Mm-hmm. You always got to trust your gut. Yep. Michael told police that he picked Jamie because he knew that Jamie would follow him into the bathroom because they were such good friends. Michael was asked if what he did was right or wrong, and Michael said that it wasn't right or wrong, and he wasn't sorry that it happened. What? Yeah, so it was really apparent that Michael did not care that he just killed his friend. He showed um, no emotion, and while he was telling his story, he had to be asked multiple times to slow down while he was talking. So he was, like, excitedly talking about what happened. Um, He also kept a diary. And it showed that he was obsessed with murder and serial killers and violent images. On the bottom of one of his pages, he wrote, I want to become a serial killer. Um, On another page, he wrote out the steps of what he would do to kill someone Besides Jamie and Andre, he wrote that he wanted to kill his sister, too. So here's a picture of his journal, where it says planning, like his planning oh to kill goodness. someone. This was, yeah, it says date, it February so 2nd, real. 2004, victims. One of them is whited out. I'm assuming that's his sister. Oh. Because um, that's whited out. And then it says Jamie Gao, or it says Gao, Jamie, Rodrigo. Materials, hat, jacket, knife, gloves, tape. And then it has steps one through eight. Lead them into the bathroom. Um, <clears throat> like, stab, do all this. Take off the hats and gloves. Try to get rid of them. All of that. Uh, and then uh, step number seven is make sure that they're dead. Uh, if anyone else is in the bathroom, kill them too. And then the last step is eight. Thank God for success. Yeah. Super creepy. Um, He was eventually convicted of first degree murder and he was sentenced to life plus 30 years for the murder of Jamie. And he was charged with attempted murder of Andre Martin. Good. Um, He died actually in his prison cell in April of 2021 when he was only 31 years old. And his cause of death was cardiac dysrhythmia, dysrhythmia attributed to morbid obesity. So he had like a heart attack Whoa. because he was morbidly obese. Yeah. So. That prison food, ma'am. I know. Um, so you want to know how old he was when he killed his friend? I'm going to say 12. No, luckily 14. Wasn't he in middle school? Yeah, you you turned 14 in middle school. You turned 14 in eighth grade. I have no clue. So he was 14. All right, next we have Craig Price. 
So Craig Price um, had a rough childhood. He, as an adolescent, he racked up a juvenile criminal record consisting of crimes like breaking and entering, robbery, stalking, drug use, and assault. And on most occasions, these were committed with his own family members. Mm -hmm. At some point in his life, he joined a gang, like a teenage gang, and started to burglarize houses with them. But despite his criminal activities, he was known around his community as a good, humored, and vivacious boy. So I was like, ah, he's all right. He just robs houses. Oh, my goodness. Um, on. No one's like, he's a troubled boy. No, because they were all troubled boys in that area, I guess. That's fair. Um, on July 27th, 1987, he broke into the now, the house, the now, the house of his neighbor, 27-year-old Rebecca Spencer, took a packing knife from her kitchen and stabbed her 58 times. Jesus. 58 times. I know. It seems so personal. Um, the brutality of the murder. Like, where was sk- this at? What? Do you know where he lived? I do. I was just curious because all of this is done with a knife. So I was curious if it was England again. Nope. Warwick, Rhode Island. I'd want to kill people if I lived in Rhode Island. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Rhode there's Island nothing else to do there. Um, lobster, a lot of good lobster seafood you're weird i am um so the brutality of the murder shocked the uh community and yeah. despite police efforts they weren't able to find her killer and her case went cold two years later while high on lsd price again broke into another house in his neighborhood belonging to the heaton family with the sole intention of robbing it but when he got inside, he saw the mother, Joan, and she then, or he then beat and strangled her in what he said was just a fit of panic. Um, but then she screamed so much that she woke up her young daughters, Jennifer and Melissa. Uh-huh. Like last time, he took a knife from the kitchen and stabbed all three members <gasps> of the family. Doesn't say how young the daughters were. Um, he also bit Joan and one of the daughters and crushed Melissa's skull with a kitchen stool. Oh my goodness. While he was doing all of this, he cut his hand. So later on, when the FBI was called in to investigate, they noticed that the um, murders were similar and then they were able to see somehow that the killer had injured his hand it's usually on a knife yeah that's what i would assume um so blood slippery so your hand slips over the knife that makes sense um so i mean people around town knew that he was kind of a troubled kid so he was pointed out um and on september 5th of 1989 not long after the murders happened um, Price was interrogated and the investigators noticed that he had a cut on his hand and he said that it was just like a random thing that he got mm-hmm. while he was drunk. But then he failed a lie detector test and so a search warrant was requested. In his house, police found bloody knives and clothing. He was then interrogated about the murders and quickly confessed to the crimes without remorse even mimicking the dying sounds of the girls oh my goodness because of his age he couldn't face trial or be imprisoned in accordance with rhode island law so he couldn't be put in an actual like in a federal prison so he was sent to a juvenile correctional institution called the rhode island training school which i think sounds like creepier than prison He was placed in the school's maximum security wing, the Youth Correctional Center, where he was held for five years, ending on his 21st birthday. Um, And all of this really enraged the victims' families and the citizens. Um, 
because they felt like he wasn't, like they weren't getting justice for the murders. During his time at the juvenile facility, he refused to discuss the murders and refused treatment, citing that it would result in um, him continuing to be imprisoned. He had mostly good behavior in the correctional center. Um, He spent his time completing his high school equivalency homework and tests and started taking um, satellite college courses. His good behavior rewarded him um, special privileges by the correctional center, um, and he was able to counsel other residents in the facility and perform minor security duties. Yeah. No, thanks. Um, so people felt like he was getting special treatment. Um, and so this sparked a campaign to stop his release because he was supposed to be released out into the public. Oh, absolutely not. <clears throat> um, so this eventually got to the assistant attorney general and the police captain who supervised the investigation into the Heaton family murders. Mm -hmm. Um, Their efforts were eventually led to the passing of a bill that gave the attorney general's office the power to commit a mentally ill person to a mental health institution if they pose a threat to society. And it also caught the attention of then-president Bill Clinton. So on October 3rd, 1994, he was sent to trial for um, simple assault and extortion after he threatened the life of a correctional center employee. During cross-examination by the prosecution, he burst into a fit of rage and claimed that everyone was lying to keep him locked up, causing the end of the trial. He was then sentenced to 15 years. Um, in February of 1996, he was involved with in a prison fight with another inmate in which he bit a guard um, and who had tried to break up the fight. He was found guilty of assault and sentenced to one more year. And then two years later, he again assaulted an officer um, and, and then did it three more times. Oh, my goodness. So in October 1989 or 1998, 1999, 2001 and 2009. He just keeps assaulting officers. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so that he just keeps on adding years to his sentence. In um, April of 2017, he stabbed a fellow inmate with a five-inch homemade knife. Um, so then he was sentenced to 25 more years for that crime. Nice. So he was, so he's still in jail. He's, he's just keeping himself there he he really is he said that everyone was lying to keep him there but he was keeping himself there mm-hmm. all right so he committed one murder at one age and then two years later committed the other three murders i'm gonna say guess 14 how, at the first one 13 wow at the first one 13 13 and 15 and he never showed any remorse for his crimes wow yep Okay, so this next one is really short because you might have heard of this one. I know that other podcasts that we listen to um, talk a lot about this. So I just have a little bit because I want to talk about it in like a full episode. The next one is Jasmine Richardson, and she was 12 years old when she and her boyfriend killed both of her parents and her 8-year-old brother. I remember this Because one. her parents disapproved of her relationship with 23-year-old Jeremy Stanky or Stanky or Stanky Stanky I don't know Stanky and this is the guy who claimed to be a 300-year-old werewolf nice do you remember this story I believe so and yeah so he um was said to be responsible for brainwashing her to commit the crimes really (sighs) yeah Yep, we'll go we'll go more into this one. This is a really popular case that has a lot. Um so the these murders made her one of the youngest serial killers in Canada because it was three people. So she is considered to be a Canadian serial killer. Really? Cuz it has to be three different. It's got to be not in the same instance. Oh, not in the same instance? I don't know. Maybe Canada has different serial killers. Maybe well, you like, know what? There's like no murder or not no. But Maybe Canada just has such fewer murders than we do that they have a different definition of a serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you could just kill like three people in a 
in a drive-by and you'd be that's a serial true. killer. That's a mass shooting. Or that's like a mass killing in America. But we just have so many mass killings. We have, that's a normal Tuesday we had, in America. We had two mass, like, attempted killings within the first two hours of 2023. Did you know that? No, but it doesn't yeah, surprise me. Yeah, I know. Me. It doesn't surprise me either. Um, in, I it. I know. In May of 2016, her sentence was completed and she was released. Get out of here. Yep. Her therapists believe that she is genuine when she says that she expresses remorses for her actions and um, she has no court restrictions anymore. When was she released? 2016. She's never she's done, out. She hasn't done anything since? Mm-mm. Doesn't say. I'm assuming that she's released under a fake name. Yeah. Is she like the Barbie and Ken murder where the, who, in Canada, where she's like. May, she might be. She's just known and everyone hates her. Probably. So she was 12 when she killed her parents and her eight-year-old brother. Um, next is Mary Bell. She was born on May 26th, 1957 to a 16-year-old sex worker. Her mother reportedly told doctors to take that thing away from me when she saw her daughter. Um, She was allegedly abused by her mother physically, mentally, verbally. Um, Her mother said that she was also prone to strange accidents, and this was in the 50s and 60s. One strange accident was falling from a window. I'm assuming like a second-story window. (laughs) Yeah. She just accidentally fell out a window. Um, Another crazy accident is she accidentally overdosed on sleeping pills and had to be hospitalized. Yep. She slipped, fell, and put a ton of sleeping pills in her mouth. (laughs) Um, For weeks before her first murder, family members and friends said that she began acting strangely. Um, She was really distancing herself and uh, looked creepy. On May 11th, 1968, she was playing with a three-year-old boy when he was badly injured in a fall from the top of an air raid shelter. Because <laughs> remember, we're in the 60s. Oh, my goodness. Um, his parents and everyone thought that it was an accident, and he said that it was an accident. But the following day, three mothers came forward to tell police that Mary had attempted to choke their daughters. Um, police briefly talked to her and lectured her oh my goodness yeah but no charges were filed like you can't do that sorry so that was at the beginning of may on may 25th mary bell strangled four-year-old martin brown to death (gasps) in an abandoned house she left the scene and then later um returned with a friend to find that they had been um that there were two other boys there who went to play in the house and they stumbled upon the body so you don't know what she and her friend were going to do um the hi Dale. that's deacon hi buddy um so police were completely mystified by this because there was only a little bit of blood and saliva on the boy's face and there was no apparent signs of violence so police found an empty bottle of painkillers on the floor near his body and without any other clues and this was the 60s so the police assumed that he had swallowed the pills and that his death was an accident Mm. And it was ruled as an accident. Awesome. Yeah, he's four. Four years old. Um, then just a few days later, Mary Bell went to his parents' house and asked to see him. His mother gently explained that he had died, but Mary said that she already knew that. She wanted to see his body in the coffin. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. That's so disgusting. Yep. Martin's mother slammed the door in her face. As she should have. Yes. Shortly after, Mary and her friend broke into an elementary school and vandalized it with notes taking responsibility for Martin's death and promising to kill again. Police assumed that the notes were just a prank. 
Um, For the elementary school, this was just the latest and most disturbing of a series of break-ins. And they then installed an alarm system. I don't know what an alarm system was like in the 60s. But here's some of the notes that they left. We did murder Martin. Drown fuck off, you bastard. Even like the handwriting. I know. Just shows how young they are. Yes. Um, Two months after her first murder, she and her friend killed three-year-old Brian Howell by strangling him. Oh, my goodness. This time, Mary mutilated the body with scissors, scratching his thighs and butchering his genitalia. Before or after she killed him? I'm assuming after. They're both horrible, but one is a little less painful. I'm hoping after. When Brian's sister went looking for him, Mary and Norma offered to help, and they searched the neighborhood. And Mary even pointed out the concrete blocks that hid his body. But Norma said that he wouldn't be there, so they moved on. When Brian's body was finally found, the neighborhood panicked because two Young boys around the same age were dead in two months. Police started interviewing local children, hoping that someone had seen something that would lead to a suspect. Um, When the coroner's report returned, they were shocked because as Brian's blood had cooled, they could see new marks on his chest. Someone had used a razor blade to scratch the letter M onto his torso. And there was another disturbing note, um, the lack of blunt force trauma in the attack suggested that his killer might have been a child because Hmm. they weren't strong enough to leave blunt force trauma signs. Uh, Mary and Norma did a poor job of disguising their interest in the investigation in their interviews with the police. Norma seemed excited while Mary seemed evasive especially when police pointed out that she had been seen with Brian on the day of his death. Can you define evasive for me? Like she's um, like avoiding the question. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. <clears throat> on the day of Brian's burial, Mary was spotted lurking outside of his house. When she saw his coffin, she reportedly laughed and rubbed her hands together. Like the meme where he's like... Yeah. Yeah. When uh, police took her back in for another interview, uh, Mary uh, speculated that she sensed that investigators were closing in on her. Mm -hmm. Um, So she made up a story about seeing an eight-year-old boy hit Brian on the day that he died. And the boy, she said, had been carrying a pair of broken scissors. But that was her big mistake because the mutilation of the body with scissors had been kept from the press and the public so when she i love when that yep so when she provided that detail investigators knew that she was the one who killed him even though she said that she just saw him with broken scissors yeah because scissor because no one like, the public just knew that he was strangled to death they didn't know know that there's anything to do with scissors right but if he saw the if she's claiming she saw the killer, that's just an eyewitness statement. Yeah. Well, I mean, but she had already been, like, acting weirdly. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that. Um, both Norma and Mary broke down upon further questioning. Norma began cooperating with the police and blamed it all on Mary, who herself admitted to being present during Brian's murder, but she placed the blame on Norma. And both girls were charged and a trial date was set. At the trial, the prosecutors told the court that Mary's reason for committing the murders was solely for the pleasure and excitement of killing. And meanwhile, the British press was referring to her as evil born. That's fair. Yep. The jury agreed that Mary had committed the murders and handed... Um, down a guilty verdict in December, manslaughter was the conviction because court psychiatrists had convinced the jury that Mary showed classic symptoms of psychopathy and could not be held fully responsible for her actions. 
Wait, what? Psychopaths can't be held reliable for their actions? I guess not when they're children. That's so stupid. Yes. Uh, Norma was um, seen as an unwilling accomplice who had fallen under Mary's bad influence, and she was acquitted. Ooh. Um, the judge concluded that Mary was a dangerous person and a serious threat to other children. So she was sentenced to be imprisoned at Her Majesty's Pleasure, which is a British legal term that um, gives an indeterminate sentence. So, like, it's at Her Majesty's Pleasure. So, like, if she's good, she could get out sooner. But if she's bad, like, she'll. I love it. I know. So, I mean, which is crazy. Like, we don't have any, I don't know if that's still a thing because this was in the 60s, but she's sentenced to, like, however long we feel like. They have something where um, if they, like, are, if they're a serial rapist and they're at risk for, like, raping again, they'll put them in an institution and they have to stay there as long as they deem fit. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. We have as long as deemed fit. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. But I just like the name of it. I know. At Her Majesty's pleasure. <laughs> um, so the uh where she was held at her treatment and rehabilitation center, like juvenile detention psychiatric hospital, whatever. Um, yeah, thought that she was like fully rehabilitated after twelve years, and so they let her out in nineteen eighty. Don't tell me she killed again. She, no. She was released on license, which is a British term, which meant that she was technically still serving her sentence. So she's like under supervision. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's able to do this in the community under strict probation. She was given a new identity to provide her with a chance at a new life and to protect her from tabloid attention. But she was forced to move several times because tabloids uh, kept finding her. <laughs> Things grew worse when she had a daughter four years later. Oh, my God. Um, her daughter didn't even know about her mother's crimes until she was 14. Can you when, imagine? I know. Um, soon a slew of journalists surrounded her house and camped out in front of this. Uh, in front of it, her she had a husband by this time, so her her husband and her daughter had to escape their home with uh, blankets over their heads so that tabloids couldn't get any pictures of them. Today, she is in protective custody at a secret address, and she and her daughter remain anonymous and are protected under court order. Wow. Yeah. So, when she committed her first murder, she was 10. It was the day before her 11th birthday. So, she was 10, and then two months later, she had turned 11 and committed her second murder. Holy cow. Yum. So, this is the last and the youngest killer. He was born in 1998. So, he is younger than us. That's weird. I know. His name is Amarjeet Sada, and he was born in India to a very poor family. His father worked as a laborer, and some believe that um, Amarjeet also had to start working for, um, at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, despite his difficult living conditions, it seemed that he had a normal childhood, um, but it is said that his demeanor um, would eventually change and his actions became increasingly concerning to those around him. So there's not a lot of information about what happened exactly because his family knew about it and kept it a secret. <gasps> mm-hmm. In 2006, he killed his six-year-old cousin and his uncle... So his cousin's dad knew about it and kept it a secret. And then a couple months later, he killed his eight-month-old sister. Oh, my goodness. His parents knew this. 
like the whole family knew like aunts uncles everyone knew and kept this a secret they said that it was a family matter oh yeah um yep what what how what yeah sorry they just said that it was a family matter but the cousin had to be what were their what was the uncle's explanation when the cousin just was dead what'd they do bury her in the backyard that's a good i don't know that's a good question they lived in like such a bad area that i wonder if they could do that and like no one like no one realized that this girl was missing but what about the records in the school and i don't know if like, their school had good records <laughs> what about taxes you just have a dependent one year yeah. and then the next year you're like I don't know how Indian taxes work actually oh, in the early two thousands. <laughs> sorry, I forgot this was in no. India. <laughs> I was gonna say. No. And, yeah, in the United States, excuse me, people would hopefully notice. Mm. Um so in two thousand seven, a mother left her six month old baby sleeping at it's called a primary school but I'm assuming like a daycare because she's only six months old Mm -hmm. um but when she went to pick her up um she was missing um this disappearance of a baby in a public place um like alerted authorities there's a big search all of this um her body was found buried nearby um and after her body was found he, uh, Amarjeet just admitted to police that he did it. So I don't know. Yeah. It's because he was a minor and this was in India. So I don't know if people had seen him like playing Mm -hmm. with the baby or seen him playing or saw him playing like around the grave or what, but he, yeah, it says that he made declarative statements. So he showed no emotion. He provided details about this crime, um, and said that he, uh, picked her up when she was sleeping and beat her with a brick to kill her and oh then buried her. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. While in custody, uh, investigators said that his behavior included smiling a lot Ew. while telling the stories. Ew. Um, he also hardly spoke other than just admitting to this crime, and then he admitted to the other two murders. Um, he barely spoke besides asking for some food. Yep. So due to the severity of his crimes, he was evaluated by psychologists and they saw him as a, this is a direct quote, a sadist who derives pleasure from inflicting injuries. It is also stated that he did not have a sense of right and wrong. Obviously. Yep. Even though their findings uh, noted that he would be considered a serial killer, Indian law does not allow children to be uh, sentenced to death, obviously, or even jailed. So he lived at like a troubled troubled children's home until he turned 18. He, but he was killing kids. I know. But so he was kept in solitary confinement during most of this time so he probably will do good for his psyche yeah i know um so he wouldn't interact with the other children he did receive uh psychiatric treatment and medication until he turned 18 because they could only keep him in custody while he was a minor so in 2016 when he turned 18 he was given a new name and he was discharged and there's no record of him since 2016 that's creepy yep so he so he could be killing again it was in 2016 he is younger than us um so did you figure out how old he was Mm -mm. he was born in 1998 and the first murder was in 2006 so he was eight years old a year older than cameron wow oh my god that's not even Mm -hmm. yeah because cameron's gonna turn eight Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine. That's ridiculous. Eight-year-old. I know. Well, and then it freaks me out, too, that they, that, like, psychologists said that he enjoys hurting others, and he has no sense of right and wrong, and he was just released. He's just out in the public with a fake right. name now. Well, I'm I'm sure the house that he was in with solitary confinement didn't do a lot to help For real. with that either. 
Like if he's on meds, it better and be. He was a in there for ten, yeah, for ten years. Oh. He was held. Yeah. So those are some of the youngest killers in history. Wow. Yeah. Good job. Creepy, creepy. I didn't know about any of them, but the one. The one girl. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot to that case. That case also is really disturbing. Though. It is. Um, do you want a palate cleanser? Yeah. I thought of one. Yay. Um, so one thing I really love is linguistics. And like learning where words came from. So do you know where the term shit-faced comes from? No. So back in the day when there was no indoor plumbing, they would no. throw their their buckets <gasps> oh, out, the window. out the window yeah and so they didn't want to do this like all random times of the day so they would do it in the middle of the night mm-hmm. at like a designated time so when people were at the bar and they drank too long when they were walking home <laughs> they would get shit on their face Ooh. because um people were discarding their waste from their house so that's why it's Ew. called shit-faced. Because they would literally get shit in their face. Yeah. That's so gross. That's my favorite. That's my favorite, like, um, oh my where word came from. I do like that, but that's really gross that it's, like, it's really literally gross. poop in the face. Yeah. That's so gross. Oh, my God. Gross. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Nicole's going to go take her brother to the library. Yes. He's dying. He needs, no. He needs, like, attention. Yeah. No rest for a child on Christmas break. Does he go back on Monday? I think so, yeah. Me too. Yeah, I got him workbooks. He's been doing a lot. But I also got him a Pokemon like activity book that I just got him. I just brought it in. Oh, that's fun. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at Aesthetically Displeasing, on Instagram at Aesthetically Displeasing Pod, and send us comments, questions, or suggestions to our email at Aesthetically Displeasing Pod at gmail.com. All right. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.